All right, so I've got Eric here with LA Lobsters. We are in their hut out here in Port Allen. And it's, it's an interesting place because they just did the remodel in the back. And now you've got open on Thursdays through Sundays, right? Correct. Correct. Okay. Yeah, we had a had a little incident with eighteen wheeler a couple months ago, so we uh, had to had to rebuild the boiling room. Okay. Just just getting that wrapped up. And how long did it take to rebuild the boiling room? Well, actual work time was only only a week and a half or so, but uh, still dealing with the with the insurance and all that. All those types of issues so um, we finally just had to say okay we got to rebuild it so we can be open on time right and uh, we'll deal with the deal with the insurance company later so okay kind of what we're going through right now yeah and how is it I mean are they like lenient with it or are they just kind of real strict with very needing strict. all the paperwork and all the proper pictures very, and documentation? Very, strict. very strict we're not not exactly seeing eye to eye and you know that's not our insurance it's the, the oh it's the, the trucking truck. company yeah the trucking okay. company that hit us so uh, we'll get it all figured out we'll get it straight well good i'm glad that you're here i'm glad we're able to do this so what is you know la lobsters yeah you sell crawfish but from my understanding there's some more kind of secret sauce behind how you actually grow the crawfish you know so we were talking a little bit beforehand about the proper care that has to be done to the ponds and the proper care that's got to be done to the crawfish themselves so what is the what does the off season look like for you? Well, you know, behind the scenes, uh, a lot of things that, um, you know, that the the customer they just see a sack of crawfish or three or four pounds of bull crawfish when they come here. But crawfish farming is a three hundred sixty five day a year deal. Uh, it's there. There's so much that goes on behind the scenes. Uh, you know, we. We, we close, we shut our ponds down uh, every year, the end of end of May, beginning of June, and uh, and drain the ponds. And that's just when the when the real work begins. Uh, we've got to uh, constantly monitoring grass growth okay. in the ponds because uh, it's all factors that. Um, you, you, you can make it really hard on yourself right. if you don't if you don't pay attention to the details uh, because we we do everything that the LSU Aquaculture Center um, where they study crawfish and um, you know crawfish farming and best practices we we follow their recommendations to the T and it it it's only gotten better uh, you know the last six or seven years that you know that we've been following them uh but you know their their recommendation is plant rice and so it's it's very expensive there are a lot of crawfish farmers that don't plant rice but we have found that that is the key uh to really putting the fat in the crawfish okay which is where the flavor comes from right uh so we we plant of a, a, a hybrid rice it's expensive uh but it's super high in protein and it puts a lot of fat in the crawfish and you know our 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 business where we where we only sell crawfish our, our business is only as good as our crawfish are so that's right got to pay attention to detail so it's a 
it's a long process in the off season, um, but I enjoy it. I signed up for it. That's good. That's good. So we were we were talking a little bit before um, we got started with the show about when did you kind of get started with the crawfish themselves? Well, I don't want to. I could probably spend the whole show uh, <laughs> going through all that because it, it it was a long road, which honestly goes back um, 20 years ago. Okay. Uh, I, I'm from Baton Rouge. I, I graduated from Dunham School in 1998 and had the uh, honor, privilege, whatever you want to call it, of, of being recruited to play baseball at LSU. I was a pitcher, and I signed with LSU. That was the, that was the first year that – Louisiana had the tops scholarship program and I qualified for that. So basically I was a, I was a free player for LSU. And so signed with them, enrolled at LSU, scheduled all my classes. And two weeks before uh, the fall semester started, I had to take, take in a, a form to the baseball office, a, a release form for my doctor. And, uh, just, basically saying I was healthy enough to play. Right. And went and handed it to the to the secretary and she said, Hey I won't mention any names, but the recruiting <laughs> coach at the time said hey, he's, he's he said he wanted to talk to you when you came in. So she sent me in his office and uh he said, you know, I, Eric I've been meaning to call you. I just signed a junior college pitcher out of Texas, so we're not gonna need you anymore. So, you know, I had my had my dreams crushed right in front of me, uh, but thankfully had the uh, opportunity to go to UL, and um, as as what they called a, a preferred walk on, which meant I would get to practice with the team all fall, but ultimately would have to earn my way onto the roster, and so, you know, I talked to my parents for a long time about it and said. And finally decided that, hey, if this is my only shot playing college baseball, then I'm going to go for it. So I moved to Lafayette. And, uh, December the 5th, 1998, found out that I'd made the roster. That's and, awesome. Um, a few hours later, got hit by a drunk driver. And wow. paralyzed from the neck down, which uh, obviously ended my baseball career. Uh, but – after years of rehabilitation, uh, I was finally finally regained enough use of my arms uh, to let me, you know, give me the ability to drive. Right. And so living in Baton Rouge, I, you know, only 10 minutes from uh, where our farm here is, where our farm is here in Port Allen, actually just started driving over here and hanging out on the farm is kind of my my escape from reality. Like when I was out here, it, it just seemed like I didn't have to worry about being in a wheelchair and worried about my disability. I just, um, it was just an escape coming out here. Right. And you know, fast forward a, a few more years, the, the farmer, uh, most of the property out here is soybean fields. And there was one particular 40 acre, uh, field that, farmer told us he was he was done with he wasn't going to farm anymore because being this close 
Mississippi River. There was a lot of sinkholes in the field and he kept getting his tractors stuck. And so he said, hey, you know, I, I know y'all like to duck hunt. Y'all to put a levee around that field, have another place to duck hunt. Right. So we did that and springtime rolled around and like, hey, there's, there's a bunch of crawfish in that pond. <laughs> so, you know, we were broke college kids. So a friend of mine gave me some of his old traps and you know we put out 50 or 60 crawfish traps and just as a hobby we're just catching our own crawfish so y'all didn't at that time y'all didn't do like any growing like any rice or like any baiting you just no, set the traps out and strictly a, went it with was it. A, a duck hunting pond okay that um after a year or two we're like hey we're some really pretty crawfish in here let's start managing it for crawfish and kept telling my buddy Ralston Phillips who owns the property and is my business partner in this kept telling him man you got the perfect location LA1 runs yeah. through the middle of your property you ought to build a bull and stand and um, and sell live and bull crawfish and he just repeatedly for years told me I don't have time <laughs> uh, which I totally understand he's I, I don't know how I don't know how he stays sane with all the businesses he runs, but uh, 2010, he called me and said, you know, I've been thinking about it. I think you're right. We need to build a place. So partner up with me and we'll do it, but you'll have to be the one running it. I still don't have time to do it. So I said, what the heck, you know, and we jumped in. Okay. And that was know nine years ago and here we are today with you know 90 more acres of ponds so we're right around 130 acres of ponds that uh, okay that we crawfish and it just gets bigger and better every year right and so what what is your what's your annual yield on the 130 acres worth of crawfish and ponds you should catch um according to the LSU Ag Center, the Aquaculture Research Station, they say that, uh, you know, on average for the correctly populated ponds that you should catch anywhere from 800 to 1,100 pounds of crawfish per acre. Uh, A year or season? Per year. Okay. And our season uh, goes, we start, we put our traps out in January and we'll run through at the end of May, maybe maybe the beginning of June. Um, so add it all up, uh, and we, we we've got a lot of work to do on our ponds still, right? Uh, to get them where they need to be, not only to to make it easier to run crawfish traps, but more effective in growing rice. Okay, uh, I'll say it till the day I die. You're your crawfish crop is only as good as your rice crop is. And, you know, the years that, you know, we'll have some sections that might not get a good stand of rice, and you see the results whenever we're running traps. Um, you just don't catch as many big, fat crawfish when you don't have a good rice crop. So um, we we'll actually have a lot of, lot of work planned for this coming up summer. In fact, my... Are more than likely going to shut down uh, one of our ponds okay. know, a month or so early 
uh, so that we can get in there and, and do the work we need to do to get them level. Uh, right. Is the main thing to, to help grow the rice uh, more effectively and it will help with running running the crawfish traps as well. Too much water, too little water, you know, all all those factors play into uh, to to running traps. Okay, so how do you so at the end we're at the end of the season, how do you go about, you know, draining a crawfish pond? Because you built these levees up and all that. What does that look like? Because I have no idea. We have uh, all of our ponds have drains, multiple, okay. multiple drains. And in fact, part of the uh, a, a big part of the work that we're going to be doing this summer is actually changing out our, our water control structures. Okay. Uh, which it's not just drains. Uh, we have to what we call overflows uh, that are set in each pond where we can control. Because when you plant your rice, you have to start. Once it gets about four to six inches tall, you have to start putting water on it, flooding. Okay. But you can't cover the rice. You can't put too much water. Right. So we have these structures um, that we're actually able to put boards in that uh, that control how high the water can get. Okay. And once it reaches that level, it just will all overflow into the into the ditches around the ponds. Okay. And uh, it's. You know, we've, we've fought it for years. It's it's not just rain and, and, and pumping that affect too much or too little water. It, one of the big problems we have over here is nutrients. Really? And the nutrients burrow into the levees. And every year we had, it seems like we have to fix seven or eight nutrient holes where the water just starts creeping through the, through the levees where they burrowed and then it turns into a little bit more water and a little bit more water. And right. Before you know it, levees can blow out and our levees have blown out and uh, never fun to, never fun to <laughs> pull up to a pond and, and see whitewater rapids rushing right. through a levee. And, uh, and so, and on that, so do you have any like kind of remote monitoring of these ponds? Because I mean, if you're not, we don't check them, you know, every hour or something. Let's say it, it busts, you know, middle of the night. How are you able to be notified of that if you're able to? Well, I, I depend on my employees a lot. Okay. Uh, the, the ones who are who are out there running the traps every day to, to keep an eye out. Uh, I drive around the ponds a lot, you know, checking that. And it, it's, you have to stay vigilant because it, if you don't catch it in time, it, it it can be a real problem. Right, right. When you do have a leak. Okay, and so what is what's your team size for to run this operation as well as the ponds? We have uh, we have two guys that it's literally it's their full time job to run the traps. Okay. They um, they run the traps every day. They bring the crawfish up here, put them in the cooler. Um, now my crew. Here at the bowling stand, I've I've got four or five boilers um, that handle all the boiling and uh, three cashiers okay. uh, that that do all the hand to hand combat up here <laughs> with the customers. So <laughs> right, right. Um, you know, and we just we just do uh, drive through and, and carry out here okay. with live and boil crawfish. Okay, and so do it through a typical weekend, like you said, you're open on Thursdays. And on Sundays, what do you do volume-wise for a weekend? It all depends on the time of year. 
Um, okay. You know, right now where we keep we keep having these these cold fronts coming through, every time the every time these these cold fronts come through and and the water gets below say sixty degrees, it really drops uh, drops our catch. The colder water, the curlfish aren't as active. When they're less active, they're not hungry. Right. As hungry, so they're, they're not, not going to go in the trap. Food, so they're not going to go in the trap. So catch has you know been up and down this year uh so far i mean we've only been running traps for three weeks but um i'm i'm selling everything that we catch right now <laughs> yeah. but you know on which you know this past weekend you know say 30 or 40 sacks but you know fast forward to to easter we'll sell 500 sacks Jeez, in, a, uh, in one weekend. In one weekend, so Jesus. It, you know it's uh, all, all depends on on the supply of crawfish and, and the demand for them. So right further along in season, when as price drops, you know there's more more demand. So that's when we're usually catching more, so we can keep up with it. So right, and so what? How do you come in and like determine the price for the specific crawfish? I mean, I know you can you can get an idea as to what everybody else is charging, but how do you? I mean, you got so many crawfish. How do you know? Okay, we can run it at this price this weekend. Well, let me be the first to say there is there is no exact science to <laughs> right. setting the price, um, and and especially here on the on the west side of the Mississippi river, mm-hmm. it seems to be that there's even a, even a bigger price war than there is say in, in Baton Rouge. Really? But, uh, literally every week I get on the crawfish app and, uh, which is a, which is a wonderful tool. Absolutely. Ryan, Ryan and, and Laney King have, have done a great job with that. Yeah. Um, they were on here, I think, uh, probably a few episodes ago uh, talking about the crawfish. App. Awesome. Well, they uh, they're two great people for sure, and absolutely. But I literally get on the app and and I look at <laughs> Tony's price, right? And you know they're kind of the the gold standard for Baton Rouge, okay. Um, and so I look at their price and then look at the price of three to four of the other uh, other places, you know, in Port Allen, Brule, Addis, Plaquemine, uh, in our surrounding area. And it's basically just kind of take an average of that, yeah. you know, fit somewhere in the middle. Don't, don't be the, don't be the most expensive and don't be the cheapest. Right. Of so, course. You got to find that, that medium price range where people still want to come to you, but they're not, you know, they're willing to travel enough to get to you without passing you up to go to somebody else. Right. And it's one thing that we, we really pride our, ourselves on, uh, is having the cleanest, right? The prettiest, the freshest crawfish, and I'm I'm just a firm believer that when you have a good product, it'll mm-hmm. sell itself. And in fact, had a uh, just one story in particular that that comes to mind. Last year, I had a, a a customer that I had never met. He came in and bought a sack of live crawfish, and he came back. Later that afternoon, I think it was a Saturday morning, he came back later that afternoon and, and he said, 
I've got to ask you one question. And I mean, he had a serious look on his face. Like I thought he, I thought he was mad. Like right. something was wrong. <laughs> and um, he said, you know, I, I was a commercial crawfishman for 30 years. Oh, wow. He said, I've, I've boiled a lot of crawfish in my days. Yeah. He said, how in the world do y'all get this crawfish that clean? Do you sit there with a toothbrush and scrub each one? <laughs> I said, no, <laughs> we, we, we absolutely do not do that. But it all goes back to the pond management. Right. We're, we, we're constantly monitoring our water, not just the level, but dissolved oxygen levels. Um, and also how dirty or how clean the water is. When the, when the water gets really dirty, which is usually later in the season when, when it's hot outside, the crawfish are really active. And when you've got that many thousands of crawfish yeah. walking around on the bottom of the pond, it stirs up the water, gets it, and makes it muddy. So when we notice the water starting to get dirty like that, we'll start pumping in fresh water. Okay. So there's always, uh, always try to keep the water clean. Right. Not only that, once my guys catch the crawfish and sack them up, they clean them. It, they clean each sack individually um, before they go in the cooler so that, you know, when it's time for us to boil them, we have a wash sink that we put them in. We wash every every crawfish before it goes in the boiling pot. But it's much less of a hassle mm-hmm. because they've already been cleaned. Right. They came from clean pond water. Right. And so just overall keeps the crawfish cleaner and, you know, and that's customers want clean crawfish. Absolutely. And uh, more importantly, live crawfish that are alive and not yes. dead when they buy a live sack. And, you know, that's the whole reason that we built. When we when we opened in 2011, mm-hmm. we just had that that 140 acre pond. And right. we thought, thought for sure that we'd be able to catch enough crawfish mm-hmm. uh, to run this place. Well, the first year that we were open, I bet you I bought 80% of the crawfish that we sold this year. I, I mean, that year I had to buy from really? wholesalers. We just couldn't keep up with demand. So that's why this summer after our first year being open, we built uh, 90 more acres of ponds Jeez. so that we could, <laughs> you know, one day be able to catch enough crawfish, which finally we've, we, we've reached that where we are, you know, self-sufficient because when you buy crawfish from wholesalers, mm. you never know what you're going to get. I'm not, right. I'm not bad enough in those guys, but even those guys will tell you they don't know every sack of crawfish on that. That's on that's their right. delivery truck when it was caught, mm-hmm. how, how long it's been in those sacks. I mean, you know, um, Honesty is is hard to find in this business, right. and for some of those fishermen who, you know, that is their only source of income. You know, they might hold on to those sacks a couple extra days because they hear prices going up, mm-hmm. and so it, it just it got so frustrating. Um, right. You know, when you get dump a sack of crawfish in the sink and half of them are dead. Or you dump them in the sink and turn on the water, and it looks like the Mississippi River. It's so muddy. Mm-hmm. Uh, not everybody takes care of their crawfish the way we do, and and our crawfish, you know, 
they come when they when they get when my guys run the traps every day. Those crawfish go in the boat. Mm-hmm. They go in the back of our guys' truck and they come straight up here. They're not bouncing around on a delivery truck for two or three days right. uh, before they end up in the cooler and and ultimately to the to the customer. So fresh, clean crawfish is what customers look for. And I know I've made this a really long answer to your question. <laughs> no, I love it. I love uh, but, it though. You know, it, it is a competitive, uh, very competitive business. And um, a lot of our customer base is in Baton Rouge. They're yeah. willing to drive across the bridge for a for a good product. That's, and so that's it. That that's what um, that's what's built our business to this point. Right. And it's it's maintaining that quality for so many years that people want to come out here. I mean, for me, it took me like 10 minutes, if that, to get from my work to here, which is right in mid-city. And so for me, I'm like, if I'm on crawfish, I'm coming here because of the shortness of drive. You know, when people think of Port Allen, they're like, oh, it's 30, 20 minutes to get out here. But in reality, it only took me like 10. And I hit, I mean, yeah, it was at six o'clock in the afternoon, but still, I mean, six o'clock on a weekday, on a work day, you expect to hit a lot of traffic on the bridge, but it just was so easy getting here and you're right off the highway that it's very attractive for somebody in mid-city or downtown Baton Rouge to hop across the bridge and come here. Well, look, I'm not going to lie. Everybody everybody knows um, the the issues with the with the bridge and the traffic, and uh, and there is there is definitely a, a fear factor that right. people have of, of, of wanting to cross the bridge. But it's really just you know weekdays that you know. 4.30 to 5.30, 6 o'clock in the afternoon where traffic, it, it does usually back up. And, you know, I, I, I shouldn't admit this uh, to everybody. I, I don't want to run off customers, but <laughs> it really does. It really does affect our business. Like this past oh, yeah. Friday, the traffic was, was bad. And uh, the first, you know, two hours that we were open was super slow. Um uh, and, you know, I can't say that I blame people. I, I wouldn't want to go sit in that traffic either. But um, it is for a, a limited time that the traffic's bad. So, And the majority of our, our business that we do is on Saturday. Right. And Saturday and Sunday. So, well, and, and later on Friday nights where we're trafficking an issue. So it, it, it doesn't hurt us that bad. But I certainly don't want, to, don't want people to... Uh, to, to fear the bridge and, and keep them from right. keep it from coming coming yeah. over here and it's funny I, I actually usually will post on Friday afternoons mm-hmm. traffic updates on our on our <laughs> Facebook page live traffic uh, to feed let, to you the know Facebook once it clears page. out right once it clears out to, to let let customer know that the coast is clear right I mean because you're less than when I made the bend around the right heading towards Plaquemine you were a mile from from that cut and i was like oh gosh like i had looking at my gps and looked up like i didn't make the turn you know it's that fast to get here but i want to go back to the the life cycle of the crawfish so you see you guys catch them every week every day during season you know how long can a can a crawfish go outside of the water you know when i said that that our guys run traps every day they they don't run every trap every day okay we we alternate it it's a couple of reasons. Main reason being 
two days versus one day. Mm-hmm. It, it gives it gives the little crawfish time to get out of the traps. Right. Uh, you know, even though they might be big enough to get stuck in the trap, there mm-hmm. can still they can still be little crawfish. So usually the crawfish will go in the trap to eat, but when they're done eating, they want to leave. Right. So your bigger crawfish, it's much harder for them to find their way out of the trap. But the little crawfish, you know, it's easier for them to get out. So we run our, our traps every other day for okay. that for that reason. Um, but once it goes in the cooler, it can live as long. And it, this all goes back again to how well you take care of the crawfish. Right. Uh, and our, with our setup, we, crawfish will stay good in there for four to five days. Now, with that being said, it's our policy. We won't sell crawfish a live sack mm-hmm. that's more than, uh, it's been, if it's been in the cooler for more than 24 to 36 hours, then we boil those. Because we have the wash sink, we can dump them out. We can get any dead ones mm-hmm. uh, out of there, and we've just we found that really after after two days, you'll you know it, it might be a pound of dead ones, right? And it just starts kind of multiplying every day past that. So we don't like to keep them in there. Yeah. With our with our operation, they're 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 normally they're not in there for more than two to three days okay. total. Um, but another factor in, in keeping them keeping them alive is keeping them wet. Yeah. You know, crawfish have gills. Their mm-hmm. gills need to stay wet to stay alive. So we, um, all the sacks that we have in our cooler, we keep them covered with burlap. And somebody goes in there every day and we pour water on the burlap to keep them wet. And, uh, Keeping them wet and keeping them cool is the is the key to, to keeping them alive. Okay. And so with that, you know, crawfish season is only so many months out of the year. And, yeah, you're maintaining the ponds during the rest of the year. What is, you know, it takes a lot of knowledge to know how to, A, first got to be a rice farmer in all honesty. you got to know how to grow the rice and grow Absolutely. it well. And secondly, you got to know how to maintain the ponds, maintain the farms to grow the crawfish themselves during the right time of year. So is there anything you're doing outside of this crawfish lifestyle or is it just the crawfishing ponds outside of the season? No, you're talking about me personally. You personally, me, yes. Me per- yes okay. you personally. No, and uh, the, the the crawfishing is, is, is what I call my, my fun job. Okay. Uh, <laughs> It's a labor of love. I signed up for it. I, I, I love doing that. Right. But in, in, in my real life, uh, I actually work for a surgical center. Okay. Um, I ended up, you know, ab- after my accident and all, I ended up going back to school at LSU and um, and got a, a degree in business administration. Okay. And after that, I uh, started working in the healthcare industry, uh, working uh, for a working for a, a surgical facility here in Baton Rouge. And during that time, I actually went back to school and, and got a master's degree in healthcare administration uh, at LSU. 
And so I currently uh, work for a surgical facility in Metairie. In fact, we opened the, the surgical center uh, about a month, almost a month to the day before we opened LA Lobsters in 2011. <laughs> so uh, that was certainly a certainly a busy time in my life. I imagine uh, but, so. But I love it. I've, I've, I've been able to find a, a, a balance between the two and uh, and certainly my, my love is the, is the crawfish business for sure. Right. I love that. And so tar- starting to get towards the end of the towards the end of the show i want to ask you in baton rouge so you're from baton rouge and you travel a lot through baton rouge you know is there something in baton rouge that you just you love about it that just keeps you attracted here outside of crawfish because that keeps everybody attracted to louisiana in general man what's not to love about baton rouge i mean amen the the people the the diversity of people and uh it's just kind of, you know, kind of a melting pot of, um, I don't have anything, anything bad to say about Baton Rouge other than the traffic. traffic. <laughs> so the to answer the question, what would you, what would you fix as the follow up? The fixing would be the traffic. Yeah, we could, uh, we could put two or three more bridges, uh, <laughs> along the Mississippi. I think we, we, I think we'd be all right, but, uh, no, that seems to be the, one talking point that I, right. I think most people bring up about the downfall of, of Baton Rouge's traffic, and you know it is it's that way because it's growing. That's you right. Know, it, it, it is uh, Gonzales, Prairieville area. Just all these these suburbs of Baton Rouge are, are growing, and Baton Rouge itself is growing. So, um, exciting time to be a citizen of Baton Rouge. That's right. That's right. And well, I, I love what you're doing here within the LA Lobsters. You know, I'm starting to pay attention more on social media to what y'all got going on and what makes y'all unique and different. And definitely the the size of the crawfish look amazing. The cleanliness. I mean, I'm highly impressed with the setup you've got here and how clean and well maintained everything is. So along those lines, is there anything that I can do to help you or the people watching can do to help you just keep growing this business you've got going? Just tell all your friends that we're here uh that was probably one of our biggest downfalls um since we opened is has been um you know people finding out about us and you know we we didn't have a lot of money to dump into advertising and um, in fact it's kind of funny story a few years ago you know we were we were getting ready to open up for the season and I, I called Ross and I said, we've got to do something. Like we, you know, we've, we've had a Facebook page for five or six years, however long it was at that time. And I said, you know, we've only got 300 followers. You know, it's, it's every day that we're open here, customer will stop by and say, hey, we live right down the street. We never knew y'all were here till now. And, and so we said we've got to do something to, to get on the map, right? And uh, and he said, well, how about we do free crawfish for the you know the first day or two that we were open to that that season? And I said, you know, I thought about it a while. I was like, you know, nobody believes free crawfish, 
why don't we do 99 cents a pound? Right. And that, at that time, every other place was at, you know, five ninety nine, six forty nine a pound. It was right, so start of the season, weekend, yeah. Super Bowl weekend, and which is we always open Super Bowl. That's always our week, the, the weekend that we open. And so we put it on Facebook that we were going to be ninety nine cents a pound on a Monday. Yeah. And Friday was going to be our first day to open that year for that season. And by Wednesday, we were coming up with contingency plans. <laughs> We went from 300 followers on Facebook to 1,300. Jesus. And all the comments that, you know, it was being reposted, reposted, reposted. And we're like, we're, <laughs> we, long story short, when we opened uh, that Friday, we opened at 4 o'clock. And at 4 o'clock, there was a line a quarter of a mile long. It went all the way. It was actually two lines. One uh, one that went all the way around the truck stop. That was when we when we opened. It was it went all the way around the truck stop, probably 40, 50 cars deep. The other line went back around the, the service road. By 430, 445, the West Battery Sheriff's Department showed up and said <laughs> Y'all have got to do something about this. Yeah. The line at that time went all the way down the service road to the light, in the traffic light in front of Walmart. It wrapped around into Walmart and into the parking lot. Jesus. The line that way, the line this way on the north side of us went all the way around the truck stop, out to the service road, and down the service road. It was, it had to be close to a mile of traffic, of people that were waiting in line. How long did it take for y'all to sell out? I mean, all, everybody in line? About an hour and a half, two hours. But <laughs> we had come, we, we knew we weren't going to have enough crawfish. Right. What, what we actually did, we, we put, uh, this was all part of the contingency plan a couple of days before, once we realized that it was going to be some chaos around here. Yeah. We actually made, uh, we printed up a bunch of vouchers. And so everybody who was uh, still in line, whenever we sold out, you know, we gave them a, a, I think it was buy five pounds, get two pounds, get or get three, buy five pounds, get three pounds free. Okay. So, you know, we, we didn't want people to have wasted, wasted their time. Yeah, of course. But, uh, but literally, I, I, I remember it like it was yesterday driving by here at noon on that day still had four hours to open and there was already 12 or 15 cars in the drive-thru <laughs> and so it was they wanted it, their it crawfish man yes uh but that put us on the map okay uh in my opinion and, right and so uh it, it's been you know it's kind of a double-edged sword it, it's it's hard to advertise on facebook if you don't have a lot of followers right so we were able to get a big enough base of followers on Facebook from that to where now we can reach a, uh, reach a, a, a much bigger audience, uh, whenever we post our specials and all that kind of stuff. And also we're actually in the, uh, in the process of, of putting up a new sign out front. We've got all the, we've got all the poles set and 
this is going to be a, a sign that that everybody can see. It's right. 20, 24 feet long. 24 feet and, long? And 8 feet tall. Jesus. So it's going to be a big sign. You can see it from the bridge, probably. Is that the plan? Yeah, well, that's... It, 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 you're right. You'll probably be able to see it from the bridge. It's going to be a big sign. Well, that's that's awesome. I, I can't wait to get... I haven't had crawfish yet this season, so I'm, I'm slacking. So I need to get out and get some. Well, you know where to come. That's it. And so what are y'all? What are your hours for the weekends? We're open uh, Thursdays and Fridays. We're open uh, 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. Okay. Uh, Saturdays, uh, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Okay. Sunday, 11 a.m. to... It's usually around 7 or 8 o'clock. Uh, that's where we... We try to try to time it and, and figure it out to where we don't have any crawfish left over. Okay. Uh, so it's kind of like when we sell out on Sundays, we. But it, it's usually never more than an hour or two before we, you know, normal normal time for for closing. But I still get people telling me they don't know why we're not open seven days a week. But like I said at the beginning of the show. I do this. This is my fun job. That's right. And I want to keep it fun. And four days a week is uh, plenty enough fun for me. So uh, <laughs> recuperate the other days. Correct. Correct. Because I still have a still have another job that I have to take care of too. So right. Uh, just want to keep it fun, and it has. It it, it it's been it's been a lot of fun. Uh, just to just to see how the way the, the, the ponds have grown and developed over the years and just every year getting a little better, right. getting them a little better, you know, further down the road where they need to be. And, and you know, like I said, with, with all the all the projects we have lined up for this summer, it's actually going to be a two- to three-year process to finish the ponds. Okay. Off to, uh, we rushed when, when, we built the, <laughs> when we built the two new ponds, and uh, it, it – Every year we we are reminded right. that we rushed uh, just unlevel and and all that, so it's going to be a two three year process to, to get them land leveled. But it's going to start start in June this year. We're going to get them where they need to be and make make my make my life a lot easier. That's a lot awesome. less sleepless nights worrying about water levels. Yeah, and it's it all comes with you know each each year you learn more and each day you learn more and then finally you're able to go back and fix stuff that you were rushing for and the next set of ponds can be so much better than the original set of ponds or the third set of ponds. You know, and and there's also things we can't control. Uh, right. You know, this past year, the the river, you know, was at record highs uh, like all summer long and being this close to the Mississippi River, it kept it kept our ponds just the the, the moisture content in in the uh, in the floor of the ponds. It just it stayed wet. We weren't able to get get the work done that we that we wanted to do, uh, which ultimately affected uh, the the planting the rice planting. Um, then when we did get the rice planted. We had army worms came and destroyed forty acres of rice. Jesus! And you know, it's I say you can't control. 
there, there's li- there's no control over getting army worms. It's right. how fast do you catch them, and how fast can you kill them. But a lot of the pesticides, most of the pesticides that kill army worms, will also kill crawfish. Okay. So there's this constant back and forth. You know, all all these factors you have to consider. Um, when I got into this, I just thought it was build a levee, let it fill <laughs> up with water, put some crawfish traps, <laughs> and you're some good. Traps. But it's uh, it's it's far from that. And just like you know, when there's droughts, it just like I was saying, your crawfish have to stay wet in the cooler to stay alive. Well, when they burrow in the levees after we drain the ponds, there has to be moisture in the soil for them to stay alive in their burrows. Right. So if you get a big drought, you know, you basically have to water your levees. And thankfully, uh, we haven't had to do that. One year, uh, in 2013, there was a lot of crawfish farmers that, they said the majority of them were north of I-10 that were hurt Mm -hmm. real bad. Uh, from that drought killed a lot of the crawfish in the burrows um, but we, we haven't had to water our levees yet but it, it's certainly not out of the question so it's just year-round year-round deal um, yeah all these all these factors to consider yeah and it's it's a whole nother side that you know us as a consumers all we see is when we pull up to the front door you've either got crawfish or you don't have crawfish you know we don't know what all goes in behind scenes you know, it's kind of neat to get a take on what you do all year long to prepare for this season and how so many different factors come into play. I think it's it's a much bigger picture than I was knowledgeable of before coming here. So I think that's a, a good imagery of, you know, it's not just seasonal. It's a year-round activity, like you keep saying. So for sure. I want to thank you for coming on the show. My pleasure. Thank you for having me, Pat. Absolutely. I enjoyed it. I'm sure everybody watching enjoyed it. It's a big Louisiana-based audience, so I hope we people are able to see the uniqueness of what you've got going on here, and they want to make the drive to come and support you and your business and what you've built. So thank you for that. And for everybody watching, I want to say thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to watch the show and listen to what we've got to say. And if you want to come get some crawfish here, we're at L.A. Broilers off of Highway 1 right LA across the Lobsters. river. L.A. Lobster, I'm sorry. My bad. Right. My bad. L.A. Lobsters. I bought a lot of crawfish from them the, the first couple of years that we were open when, mm-hmm. I, when I couldn't uh, when I couldn't couldn't catch enough to, to keep my place open. I bought, I bought a, lot of, <laughs> a lot of live sacks from them. And uh, it was funny. I literally would go buy them and yeah. sell them to my customers for the same price that I just bought them for. But it was just to keep customers happy and keep them coming back here. So it, that's what it took. So, yeah. uh Certainly nothing against those guys. But, yeah, L.A. Lobsters, you can find us on Facebook and okay. call us. Our phone number is 225-749-8002. Perfect. And we're gonna, I'm going to link all this stuff up in the show notes. I'm going to link your Facebook page, your phone number. And do you all have a website or is it just social media? Just social media. Okay. Uh, and, you know, people make orders. I've already taken a couple of orders today on Facebook for the weekend. Okay. So, yeah, so you can send us a just send us a message all right. uh, on Facebook if, if you'd like to reserve live or boil crawfish. Um, even if it's for Easter, I mean it's never too early to, especially for Easter, it's never <laughs> too early to put in a reservation. Well, uh, perfect. Or if people want to call and 
you know, leave, leave a message um, with their order. We always we call back to confirm it. Uh, so we're, we're I'm constantly checking the voicemails up here and, and checking Facebook. And um, even though we're open only open four days a week, you can you can get in touch with us seven days a week. Well, perfect. So if, if you're wanting to place order for crawfish for this weekend or for Easter or for any weekend coming up in the season, make sure you reach out to their Facebook page where their number is, as well as send them a direct message and get you some crawfish. So for everybody here listening and watching, I'm Patrick. You're listening to the Patty G Show, and we've got Eric over here with LA Lobsters. That's it. Out here right across the river, right 10 minutes from downtown Baton Rouge. Thank you all so much, and have a good night.